Today is Monday, January 9th, 2023, and Kevin McCarthy becomes speaker after Friday night brawl. Biden gets torched by Greg Abbott in a fake border visit to Texas, and Andrew Tate is taken from prison to the hospital. What's going on there? My name is Benny Johnson, and this is The Benny Show. Welcome back from this glorious weekend, ladies and gentlemen, and late, late into the small hours of Saturday morning, the speaker's vote continued, and so we will give you a full update here on the rumble in the jungle, the melee in D.C., and... The brawl in the halls of Congress, the stomp in the swamp. What do you want to call it? 15 rounds of votes, a knockdown drag out TKO for Kevin McCarthy, and everyone got bloody. Literal brawls on the House floor. You ever heard of it? You ever seen it? We tell you on this show, we are here to fight and we like fighting. And it's good to have a strong jaw and it's good to have some bare knuckles. And it's good to go in, ladies and gentlemen, when you care about something and believe in something and Certainly, the 20 conservatives who were holding out over 15 rounds of votes for Kevin McCarthy believed in something and fought, and they are admirable in that, and we honor them on this program, and we're going to tell you what they won. But first, the bloody battle for Speaker. What happened? Well, on the 14th round of voting, Kevin McCarthy had flipped 17 of the 20 all he needed was a vote for Matt Gates. Matt Gates, the man who essentially led this revolt in the Republican Party, which is so wonderful that we can have dissent. Isn't it nice? Isn't it nice? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the way it's done. This is the way the sausage is made. The Republican Party and the people inside of it have the right to free thought and dissent. So let me begin by saying this is good. It's positive. It's a bloodletting. Literally, and we'll, we'll show you the images here, but it's positive for our movement and it's positive for our country. It's good to gut check your speakers. What is not good is the Borg-like herd animals bleeding and braying Democrat jackasses who essentially operate like brain-dead uh, derivative degenerates in voting mindlessly for everything with their Dr. Fauci votive candles burning behind them. They never challenge anything. They do exactly as their corporate leaders demand they do. And it's good to have free thought and dissent. And Matt Gates led that charge. Matt Gates wound up with Kevin McCarthy's speakership in his hands. The gavel literally passing from Matt Gates to Kevin McCarthy in his hands. And Matt Gates needed to essentially switch his vote to Kevin McCarthy on the 14th round in order to give Kevin McCarthy the speakership. It all wound up with Matt. And what happened is wild. Yo, this is just wild. Kevin McCarthy goes up to Matt Gates to ask for Matt to flip his vote, and then a brawl ensues. Go ahead and watch. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to do a breakdown of that clip there because this is parliamentary procedure. This is wild. This is far more entertaining than Congress ever gets. So let us begin. Tensions were high on the House floor Friday night as members physically had to restrain Mike Rogers from going after Matt Gates in the 14th failed attempt to elect Speaker McCarthy. McCarthy came within half a vote of securing the speakership after the 14th 
round. Although McCarthy received 216 votes, it was not enough to secure the speakership. Gates and Lauren Vovert voted present. One of them had to flip their votes. Shortly after the 14th failed vote, McCarthy approached Gates. And you just saw that clip. He approached Gates at his seat towards the back of the chamber to have a discussion. It's unclear what Gates and McCarthy discussed. As Gates pointed his finger at McCarthy, another member stepped in front of McCarthy and tried to defuse the situation. Then Rogers approached Gates and then he leaned in and he had to be physically restrained from brawling, physically brawling with Matt Gates. Check this out. That's Representative Mike Rogers having to be physically pulled back from fighting with Matt Gates. We have that photo from another angle here as a member, Representative Richard Hudson, had to physically restrain Rogers from fighting Matt Gates. There are some great memes of this moment. Of course, uh, you have the Waffle House meme, uh, very important <laughs> with the chair. <laughs> and we continue. More memes. More memes, Royce. More memes. There you go. Oh, oh no. Oh, poor Mike Rogers. Please don't get snipped. <laughs> okay, yeah, Mike Rogers screaming. <laughs> Now, one of our favorite sites, uh, bad lip reading, Matt Gates not voting for McCarthy, Mike Rogers. I gotta, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. Thank you, grand old memes, for some of these great memes. Uh, there was a, uh, there's a site called Bad Lip Reading that's an amazing, amazing uh, creator site, and they did a play-by-play -play breakdown of what was probably said inside of this altercation that led to a physical brawl on the House floor. Matt Gates versus Kevin McCarthy versus Mike Rogers. Have a listen. Son, what does it go for, Bill? Can you say it? Well, who knows? A really rich doctor said you were a bummer. And I think you don't know algebra. No, we're talking science, bud. The science of what? Is that a tiger? One of your friends promised me I could flick you in your face. Absolutely, you may not do that. Hit him in his cringy smirk, for real. Say any cereal name. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. You're like people in the 12th century. Why'd he say it like that? You're a formulated pickpocket. He's, He's a storm cloud. I don't like you, dude. And there's a tiger. Oh, that's it. You two guys sent the tiger. I did no. not. Not me. What I tiger? Mean, that's just... I mean... That is reprehensible. Okay, yeah. Okay, Brad, I'm a horrible person. Brad, I'll report you to Nadine. I just want your leg bones to be okay. I brought the tiger. Really, you got somebody on the organ now? Hey, man, you're gonna pay for dinner. You're gonna pay for great it's good to fight it's good to have a party that is animated and believes in something and that makes for great comedy content hey this is beautiful also on the house floor a literal bloody fist from dan crenshaw what's going on with his bloody hand dan crenshaw has open bleeding wounds on the house floor is dan crenshaw punching walls that's what the gateway pundit asked the gateway pundit asked hey listen is dan crenshaw punching walls because he's so frustrated goes ahead and shows sort of the uh there's our a sweet tweet from alx dan crenshaw had called these uh these members who were holding out on mccarthy terrorists he since apologized for that
Dan Crenshaw had a bloody hand on the House floor. Why? What was Dan Crenshaw doing? Was he roughing someone up from the Freedom Caucus in the cloakroom? What was going on? If Dan Crenshaw is actually punching walls in the Capitol, but hope he knocks it off, taxpayers will be forced to pay for the repairs. What was Dan Crenshaw punching? You can see right there he has open cuts on his hand. And Dan Bongino responding to Crenshaw here. Nobody is holding you hostage. Dan Crenshaw gave a press conference saying that these 20 members of Congress were holding him hostage. No one's holding you hostage. You're free to leave at any time. This is a republic. This is the process. Move to North Korea if you prefer a coronation. So what was going on? The nation wonders about this. Dan Crenshaw's bloody hand, physical brawls on the House floor, and Donald Trump. Desperate calls to the members of Congress. You can see here Marjorie Taylor Greene handing one of the holdouts a phone call from DT. Check it out. DT. It's amazing. Donald Trump holding there for 23 seconds. Uh, and the phone call was not actually taken by that member of Congress who refused to vote for McCarthy. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023. How was 2022 on your finances? Probably not great. And it's not your fault. Our government is spending way too much money and giving that money to the dumbest people. They passed a $1.7 trillion omnibus package on Christmas Eve just to spite you, to insult you, and to tell you that they don't care about you. So maybe this is the year that you should start caring about your savings and securing your financial goals. When you've finally had enough of the games that the government is playing with your savings and retirements, you should diversify into gold, birch gold. I'm tired of my money being impacted by stupid decisions by our leaders in Washington for over 5,000 years, gold has withstood inflation, geopolitical turmoil, stock market crashes. And here's the great news. You can get in now. In fact, you can own gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account today. Birch Gold makes it so easy to convert your IRA or 401k into precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text the word Benny to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold. With almost 20 years experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metals, Birch Gold can help you. Text Benny to 9 Nine eight nine eight nine eight today and go gold in the new year 2023. McCarthy eventually won in the small hours of the morning. McCarthy got his votes. What he actually got was 216 votes for speaker. And then he got six of these members to vote present, lowering the threshold so that the party that's in control of the House, the Republican Party, is able to elect their speaker uh, by that plurality of a majority. And so McCarthy becomes speaker. What does McCarthy do immediately after becoming speaker? Well, he gives a bit of a barn burner, and this surprised us. Again, we have been advocating for this fight. We are in not in favor of McCarthy based on pure meritocracy. Kevin McCarthy is a nice guy. I've chatted with Kevin McCarthy. There's nothing wrong with Kevin McCarthy necessarily. He's a nice person. But based on pure meritocracy, Kevin McCarthy shouldn't have this position because he should have won a much larger share of House seats. Kevin McCarthy lost all 35 toss-up seats. There were 35 toss-up seats. Republican couldn't, couldn't win one of them. That's a problem in leadership. And it's not just McCarthy. It's McConnell. And it's Romney McDaniel at the RNC. But I digress. Kevin McCarthy shares some of the blame. And so Kevin McCarthy should have stepped aside because he had failed. That's the way that this should all work. But it didn't work that way. Kevin McCarthy got a bruising in his fight to become speaker. But he grabbed the gavel late into the evening and he gave this speech first off declaring that he's going to defund 87,000 IRS agents. Good McCarthy. Go. But when we come back, our very first bill 
repeal the funding for 87,000 new islands. You see, we believe government should be to help you, not go after you. Okay, good. That's good, McCarthy. McCarthy talking essentially about committees that he's going to panel in order to look into the federal government's corrupting of our election systems. That's super based. We've been calling for that for a long time. Check it out. Now, speaking of committees, we will hold the swamp accountable. From the withdrawal of Afghanistan to the origins of COVID and to the weaponization of the FBI. Let me be very clear. We will use the power of the purse and the power of the subpoena to get the job done. This is something we should all agree upon. It's not actual bluster. In a minute here, we're going to show you exactly what Kevin McCarthy has been doing over the weekend. There's been some huge breaking news. And the big breaking news that night was that to get this gavel, Kevin McCarthy had to rely on an old friend, Donald Trump. Donald Trump was single-handedly responsible for flipping multiple members of these McCarthy holdouts. Donald Trump personally called those members and Donald Trump personally advocated for Kevin McCarthy even after Donald Trump was nominated himself for Speaker of the House. You may recall Matt Gates saying Trump for Speaker late last week, throwing a bit of a uh, curveball into the mix. But Donald Trump did not in turn, become speaker. I guess it's legal. First off, it's legal for Donald Trump to become speaker. You don't have to be a member of the House to become speaker of the House. Although traditionally, of course, the House represent elects members of its own body. Right? This would just this would just stand to reason. Uh, that's history and tradition. Uh, also, Donald Trump becoming the first former president. This side of John Quincy Adams back in eighteen thirty five to be nominated for House Speaker. Donald Trump did not become House Speaker, although Donald Trump was uh, curious about the idea. Donald Trump has announced his run for 2024 presidential race. You could do both, presumably at the same time, but nonetheless, Donald Trump worked on behalf of his friend, Kevin McCarthy, and Kevin McCarthy thanked Donald Trump for his efforts. At that end, to put it all through, and just all the different members and hanging with me through all those different votes. But I do want to especially thank uh, President Trump. I don't think you should anybody should doubt his influence. He was with me from the beginning. Somebody wrote the doubt of whether he was there, and he was all in. He would call me, and he would call others. And uh, he really was, I was just talking to him tonight, um, helping get those final votes. And what he's really saying, really, for the party and the country, that we have to come together. We have to focus on the economy. We've got to focus, make our borders secure. We've got to do so much work to do, and he was a great influence to make that all happen. So thank you, President Trump. Thank you, President Trump. Wow, that was pretty stunning there. Donald Trump was personally on the phone, bending the ears of these members of Congress, getting Kevin McCarthy the gavel. Donald Trump was the man 
That was a minute and a half clip of Kevin McCarthy thanking Donald Trump. Check it out. Marjorie Taylor Greene with DT on the phone. That's what Donald Trump saved in her phone as DT. <laughs> Donald Trump to be thanked. This is a very interesting and curious position for Donald Trump to be in. Donald Trump pretty quiet about his movements behind the scenes in this race. Donald Trump pretty silent about it. Donald Trump did come out and in all caps endorse Kevin McCarthy on Truth Social, but Trump was very much working this one behind the scenes. Very, very curious, very interesting. Donald Trump making the speakership possible for Kevin McCarthy. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? That's very curious. Is Donald Trump supporting the swamp? I mean, what does Donald Trump know that we don't know about Kevin McCarthy or are they just besties? I don't know, man. Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert eventually coming all every member coming over to the side of Kevin McCarthy because every single member in turn by proxy voted for Kevin McCarthy. So Donald Trump was able to flip the entire Republican caucus to vote for McCarthy. Now, what was it besides Trump that eventually got them to flip? Well, there's a great article here in The Daily Caller, the 15 Republicans, why they flipped to support McCarthy. It has everything to do with the way that the House is now going to be governed. And most importantly, and the big takeaway here, is it's going to diffuse the power of the speakership into the committees. So the speaker is forfeiting power to the committees where it belongs so these members can do their job and the job of the people, the oversight of the people. It's really neat, this rules package that they've decided upon. Just to give you a little bit of an overview here, let's read. Conservatives led by Chip Roy, one of our favorites, nominated a rules package that would dissolve power away from the speaker and back to the committees and individual members. Although the details have not been made public, reports indicate that the deal between McCarthy and the detractors include plum committee assignments, baseline spending promises, one vote threshold for a motion to vacate the chair, meaning that Kevin McCarthy's speakership can be brought into question with a single vote. Maryland Rep. Andy Harris flipped to support McCarthy on the 13th ballot. I can't get into details about the agreements, but I can characterize it in general. It contains provisions both related to and we have been working on rules for a long time and we've done more here than ever. It has to do with personnel and how the members of the Congress will be appropriately distributed on key committees. Man, the Freedom Caucus is extra uber powerful. Now, the Freedom Caucus is more powerful than the derpy squad ever was, right? The, the derpy squad sitting there banging their uh, heels together, talking like on the cover of Rolling Stone, standing there with Pelosi. They have no power. They aren't able to accomplish anything. A year ago, AOC was called the least effective member of Congress by the Hill. They got no power. The squad has no power. They're just Dork, there's like extra, extra painted clowns inside the clown car. That's just all it is. Just such a group of degenerates looking at the, looking at the Democrat caucus wobbling around. Jerry Nadler and Cory Bush and AOC and Ilhan Omar and Adam Schiff wobbling around with a melon head on top of a pencil neck. Guys, this is such a clown car of degenerates over on the other side. It's funny and it's going to be very interesting to watch how Republicans begin to govern. And what we have here, essentially, is multiple members who decided to vote for McCarthy saying that this is the most conservative speakership in American history. You want to talk about things pointing in the right direction? Here it is. Things are going in the right direction. We are optimists. We are positivists on the show. Things are going in the right direction. You won here. You won. The bravery of Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert have delivered the most conservative rules package, which are the rules that govern the House floor, in American history. So applaud yourselves. 
clap yourselves on the back. Ladies and gentlemen, we won this one. We won. And Kevin McCarthy has to govern by these rules packages. The House will still need 218 votes to pass rules packages in the agreement. If the package is not passed, McCarthy skeptics could defect. The framework blows up. I'm out, says Perry. So here we go. Here we go into the most choppy waters that you've ever seen in Congress because the other side is led by such cringy degenerates. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries got a chance to pop on stage and give a little bit of a speech here. We didn't get that beautiful moment or the gavel. Pelosi had to hand the gavel to McCarthy, sadly, because Pelosi's already out of leadership. Pelosi's essentially resigned from Congress. She wasn't even in the, the halls of Congress. Pelosi's gone. Normally, the speakership the speaker votes take place on the same day, and then Pelosi hands the gavel, but the speaker votes took an extra week, and so Pelosi did not hand the gavel. It would have been a beautiful Photoshop photo opportunity, and Kevin McCarthy said that he was going to take that gavel and bang Pelosi <laughs> bang Pelosi with it. Do you, do you remember those comments? It's amazing. So you didn't get that, unfortunately, and what you got was extreme cringe fest, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we got we to gotta give you a cringe alert here uh, before this clip because – Yo, this is some dangerous stuff. Hakeem Jeffries is the new Nancy Pelosi, the new leader of the Democrat Party. He's from New York, of course. He's from a complete collapsed, abysmal, homeless encampment uh, district in New York where there's more syringes and needles than there are loaves of bread or uh, pencils in schools. It's, it's just from a collapsed, failed state. Hakeem Jeffries, however, trying to be deeply Obama-level inspirational. Doesn't work. Watch. We are white, we are black, we are Latino, we are Asian, we are Native American. We are Christian, we are Jewish, we are Muslim, we are Hindu. We are religious, we are secular, we are gay, we are straight. We are young, we are older, we are women, we are men. We are citizens, we are dreamers, out of many, we are one. That's what makes America a great country. Okay, great. Fantastic. I think that Run DMC definitely is looking to fill a uh, a new Bone Thugs and Harmony, definitely looking for, uh, you know, someone to 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 lay a beat down. Uh, and the beat down is what was laid on us as we listened to the ABCs of wokeism from Hakeem Jeffries. It gets worse. One more cringe alert. Got to have it. Cringe alert. Listen to the ABCs of woke Hakeem Jeffries. House Democrats will always put American values over autocracy, benevolence over bigotry, the Constitution over the cult, democracy over demagogues, economic opportunity over extremism, freedom over fascism, governing over gaslighting, hopefulness over hatred, inclusion over isolation, Justice over judicial overreach, knowledge over kangaroo courts, liberty over limitation, maturity over Mar-a-Lago, normalcy over negativity, opportunity over obstruction, people over politics, quality of life issues over QAnon, reason over racism, substance over slander, Triumph over tyranny, understanding over ugliness, voting rights over voter suppression, 
working families over the well-connected, xenial over xenophobia. Yes, we can over youth can't do it, and zealous representation over zero-sum confrontation. We will all... <laughs> That's how it's done. That's how it's done. That's definitely, it's a new form. It's a new form of rap, okay? It's called woke rapping, all right? You've heard of mumble rapping. You think that destroyed rap? No, no, no. This is woke rapping, okay? And you may think his flow is all off. You may think, wow, this really sucks, and my ears are bleeding, and my eyes are bleeding, and I cannot believe we, we're going to have to deal with this guy for the next, how long was Pelosi in office? 40,000 years? We're going to have to deal with this guy. Who knows? Who knows what they have planned for this guy? But you're wrong. The beauty, the beauty of woke rapping is this stuff, woke is always cringe. These people are always cringe. The goal is to make it cringe. The goal is to be hard on the eyes. That's the goal. The purpose is to make you go, oh, oh, make a stop. I'll give them whatever they want. Whatever, whatever gender bathrooms they want, whatever Disney, I'll go see Lightyear, whatever. I'll go see Strange World. I'll give them anything they want. Just make it stop. People, people over platitudes, race, racism over uh, red, red hats, berries over Barack Obama, children over candy, good. Goodness over the Goonies. G- got him. Got him. <laughs> and he's like sitting there having to read it. <laughs> he's like, it's a freestyle, but I'm reading it like this. It's like Corinne Jean-Pierre. He's going to get used to the top of my head. I'm dead of cringe. I'm so dead of cringe. Thank the Lord I was able to read my Bible and revive like Lazarus this weekend because that killed me. It killed me. I'm dead of cringe. So, ladies and gentlemen, we must stop that cringe and we must make them feel pain. I'm totally in favor of the politics of pain. You guys know this. Politics is pain. I am in favor of revenge politics. Okay. This is a uh, arena. It's a war zone. That's what politics is. There are no better angels. So when they're trying to push that kind of stuff on us, woke rapping, um, don't buy it. Don't buy it. Push back. And that's what Matt Gates did. That's what Lauren Boba did. And that's now what Kevin McCarthy's doing. So let me tell you this. For on my show, I'm gonna come at this with an open mind. All right. Talk is cheap. Let's see actions. Kevin McCarthy's actions, wild so far. Jim Jordan will chair the weaponization of government select. Committee. What? That's amazing. What is this? To the 118th House of Representatives, we'll see the formation of a new select committee headed by Jim Jordan to dig into the abuse of power and weaponization of the government. This investigative panel will demand emails and correspondence between the Biden administration and big tech companies follow massive revelations that came to light during the release of the Twitter files. Newly minted House Speaker Kevin McCarthy was elected to the Speaker's office in a hard-fought, contentious battle on the House floor last week. Had the power to make these priorities play out, according to Axios. Jordan is one of 15 members of the Congress nominated by McCarthy uh, for Speaker last week. The probe into the communications 
Between the tech giants and President Biden's aides will look into government pressure that could have resulted in censorship or harassment of conservatives or squelching of debate, polarizing policies. If government personnel and agencies do not comply, subpoenas are likely to be issued per GOP source. GOP is committed into digging into the politicization of the FBI, which not only includes the work done to discredit accurate reporting, like the New York Post lead up to the 2020 presidential election, but the allegations of Russian election interference lead up to the 2016 election. Yo! The use of Biden's Department of Justice to go after the parents who spoke out angrily at school board meetings will be investigated as well. Ohio's Jordan has been instrumental in the discovery uh, that the letter requesting the DOJ's investigation into these parents issued by Merrick Garland. You remember that? letter. They said these ter- parents are terrorists. This is pretty huge, but they ca- but it goes on, but it gets better. Biden's COVID czar, Dr. Anthony Fauci, will also be a focus of new GOP investigation. The Twitter files reveal the social media companies were pressured uh, to tow the Democrat party line on COVID and COVID treatments. Yo, whoa, that is flames on. We've been calling for this for a long time. This is called the Church Committee, right? This was a special committee in turn in the 1970s to look into the abuses of the deep state, and now they're bringing it back. This is a huge deal. This is very, very good. Good McCarthy. Good McCarthy. Very good. Here we go. We rule it. Good McCarthy. Good McCarthy. So it, so it shall be done, so it shall be ruled. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's already begun. James Comer has said that he is— uh, not investigating Hunter Biden. No, no, no. He's investigating Joe Biden for criminal activity. The based beginnings of the new Congress. Watch. Look, a Harvard poll just came out and said 65% of the Americans believe that uh, the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop should be investigated. But let me be clear. We're not investigating Hunter Biden. We're investigating Joe Biden. And I think any American who's kept up with the political process over the past two administrations would agree. We need to know uh, what is allowable and what isn't allowable with respect to uh, foreign adversarial uh, intervention among family members of presidents of the United States. That's something that the Democrats complained about with Kushner, and certainly the Republicans, myself included, have complained about you with see why Biden I, and so Jim if, Biden. If you- massive. Massive. What a win. What a win. And this is all thanks to the Brave 20. Well done. One of those Brave 20, Rep. Paul Gosar, said, we will conduct an investigation into the attempted coup by traitor General Mark Milley and Pelosi. Whoa. Paul Gosar of Arizona is leading a charge for Republicans in launching an investigation into General Mark Milley and Nancy Pelosi. On January 7th, Gosar tweeted, remember, we will conduct a real investigation into January 6th in an effort to attempt a coup between traitor General Mark Milley and Pelosi. It'll be reviewed and exposed. Wow. Put on that committee, make on that committee, Donald Trump. Put Donald Trump in charge of the new January 6th committee. Please, please, I pray. Gosar would continue Milley's treasonous sellout to China to be investigated. Pelosi not warning members about the intel of impeding violence will be exposed. Gosar will continue his series of tweets by writing, soon we will know the truth. Here's the truth that I know. Living in Washington, D.C., I had the National Guard deployed to my neighborhood. The National Guard was deployed to my neighborhood during the Antifa BLM riots and nearly burning down the White House. The Antifa members staged a real insurrection on May the 20th, 2020. When they attacked the White House, they injured dozens of Secret Service officers and police officers. They burnt down buildings on the White House. They burnt down St. John's Church. There is still an empty edifice on the White House grounds, like a, like a living memorial 
to Antifa and BLM. They tried to rip down statues and were successful all around Washington, D.C., and they vandalized the World War II Memorial, the Lincoln Memorial. They vandalized the Washington Monument, and the National Guard had to be deployed. Now, those National Guardsmen rolled through my neighborhood, tacked out, geared out, ready for literal war. They had armored vehicles. No one was going to mess with them. Let me tell you what. This was an occupying force. And I was in favor of it because I don't want Antifa or BLM ripping up the White House trying to kill the president. That's what they were doing. They said it on camera. That was the real insurrection. They were trying to murder the president of the United States. They're trying to burn down St. John's St. John's Episcopal Church right across the street from the White House. And they succeeded, by the way, in lighting it on fire. They succeeded in burning down White House buildings. They burnt down buildings on the White House grounds. Royce and I went and saw it for ourselves a few months ago. Still burnt down, burnt down out of his. So this was the real insurrection, and these people deserve to be dealt with. And so the National Guard was deployed to Washington, D.C. That same National Guard was offered on the morning of January 6th to Nancy Pelosi to protect the Capitol by Donald Trump. I've seen the paperwork. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, Donald Trump had 20,000 National Guard members approved to deploy to protect the United States Capitol. And Nancy Pelosi said no. And then she knocked down the amount of Capitol Police that would be protecting the building by half. So essentially making the building the most vulnerable it's ever been. What the hell is going on here? It's time for us to ask questions and to get answers now that Republicans are in charge. And these are the important questions to ask. Way to go, Paul Gosar. If there had been National Guard members at the U.S. Capitol, none of this would have happened, and we know it. Donald Trump said march peacefully. Donald Trump said don't fight with the cops. You can go to his Twitter timeline right now, thanks to Elon Musk, and see those tweets. So good for Paul Gosar. Paul Gosar is one of the 20 lawmakers who originally voted against Kevin McCarthy, but after several rounds of negotiations, Gosar voted for McCarthy on the grounds of McCarthy agreeing to operate under new constitutional and transparent rules and presumably to expose traitor Mark Milley and Nancy Pelosi. Why did Nancy Pelosi have a uh, documentary crew with her that day? That's a little curious, isn't it? Why was there a documentary crew following Nancy Pelosi around on the morning of January 6th? Scott Perry, Rep. Perry, Pelosi ran Congress like a prison camp. Whoa. Well done. Uh, the fisticuffs are out for Nancy Pelosi. They're coming for her. Same thing with Dr. Fauci. Once these people lose power, it's really incredible. Power doesn't exist inside of a vacuum. Once these people lose power, the organs will turn on them like an antibody reaction. The white blood cells are now coming after Nancy Pelosi. She, no more ha she has no more power. And they're coming after Dr. Fauci. It's beautiful to see. Here's Representative Scott Perry from Pennsylvania on ABC News' uh, This Week saying that Nancy Pelosi ran Congress like a prison camp. Let me start with this. Frederick Douglass, who knew something about power, said power concedes nothing without a demand, never has and never will. This is never about Kevin McCarthy. This is about power for the American people. And with all due respect, Nancy Pelosi ran Congress like a like a prison camp uh, with no accountability. Uh, you know, the American people are very, very tired of this gang of seven, gang of eight, literally seven or eight people or just a few people in Washington, D.C., running all of the policy for the American people. So when we had a framework of an agreement where the American people can be in charge, when their representatives can actually bring amendments to the floor in good faith, said, sure, if we can do that, then I'm all in. 
Okay, so let's recap here. There was a bloody brawl on the House floor for the McCarthy speaker vote. McCarthy wins in the small hours of the morning, Saturday morning on the 15th round after the 20 freedom patriots, the 20 patriots who stood up to McCarthy were able to get from him the most conservative governing rules packages in American history. Kevin McCarthy will, by his own rule, be the most conservative House speaker in our lifetime, possibly in American history. Kevin McCarthy has agreed to every spending increase being a spending cut as well. So you cannot spend a dollar without cutting a dollar. That's massive. You are allowed to bring amendments to the floor. You're going to split up spending bills by organization so they can defund the FBI. So right now it's all done in an omnibus package. So it's all lumped together. Now you can split it up. So if you want to defund the FBI, it's impossible based on the way that Congress currently funds the government. Kevin McCarthy now is in charge of that spending because all spending originates in the House of Representatives vis-a-vis the Constitution. Kevin McCarthy also agreed to a uh, rule to vacate the chair, meaning that he can be held accountable. And he agreed to giving the Freedom Caucus massive outsized authority on various positions of leadership on committees. And finally, Kevin McCarthy has agreed to this beautiful investigative body led by Jim Jordan, the Weaponization of Government Select Committee. Watch for that. And in conclusion, there's going to be an investigation into the real insurrection on January uh, January 6th. May the 20th, that's the real insurrection and what actually happened on January 6th. Maybe we'll get to the bottom of Ray Epps. Maybe we'll get to the bottom of why Nancy Pelosi refused the National Guard that day. Perhaps we'll get to the bottom of who planted bombs in front of the RNC and the DNC. Nobody seems uh, particularly interested in finding that person out. Very, very curious. Ray Epps, of course, is texting his nephew, I orchestrated it, and then being handheld and getting his fanny powdered by Adam Kinzinger and uh, uh, Adam uh, by by Adam Kinzinger and Schiff on the committees, essentially essentially steering Ray Epps through his testimony. Here it's you know it's you you know that this is an op when there are more questions than answers. Once you get the information, so once you get the official information, if the official information leads to more questions than answers, just like in the Kennedy assassination, then you know it's an op. And it's time for people to wake up and to see the truth. It's going to be a beautiful thing. We have high hopes. We've been texting with and communicating with a ton of members of Congress. I've been my phone has been melting down this weekend. Various members of Congress calling, talking us through some of the very, very good things that are happening. So stay tuned. Talk is cheap. BS talks and then walks, ladies and gentlemen. No, you want action. BS talks, action walks. So we want to walk into this new year with a new Congress exposing these absolute cringe-filled frauds, these brain donkeys, these hive-minded degenerates who are just derivative and who don't have anything good planned for you. So let's go rip-roaring into the new year. We're cheering on this new Republican Congress. What's going on across the ocean in Romania? Curious story breaking from this weekend. Andrew Tate's social media account declares the Matrix has attacked me after reports that he is taken to the hospital after arriving in prison. Andrew Tate has said multiple times that what they're going to do is they're going to cancel him. That happened. They're going to put him in jail. That happened. And then they're going to kill him. 
That's what Andrew Tate has said multiple times on the record. What's going on here? Well, first off, let's listen to Andrew Tate's prediction of what's going to happen. Uh, A little bit creepy here because, um, well, very on the nose. And for a champion kickboxer, guy definitely knows how to break a nose. Watch. Listen, and I'm going to say this on this podcast now to say it on every other one. I would never, ever kill myself. I truly believe they're going to come and they're going to try and kill me on a long enough time frame because they tried to shut me up and I won't shut up. They're either going to try and put me in jail or they're going to kill me. And I would never kill myself under any circumstances ever. So what is happening? Are they killing Andrew Tate? Well, let's read the news. Tate, a British citizen and professional kickboxer, has amassed 4.4 million followers on Twitter and is is in custody with his brother Tristan in Romania. Andrew Tate tweeted an article saying that he had been taken to the hospital. They were arrested last week, ongoing investigations into human trafficking claims. Tate shared a link to Romanian news website uh, talking about him going to the hospital. It's an ambiguous tweet. He said, the Matrix has attacked me. They misunderstand. You cannot kill an idea. Hard to kill. One of the brothers is said to have informed a medic of a pre-existing health issue resulting in a uh, consultation in a hospital in Bucharest. Uh, They are now back in the detention center, the website reports. It comes after four more luxury vehicles were sealed as seized as an investigation. This investigation stinks to high heaven, by the way, with Andrew Tate. Prosecutors investigating the case seized additional vehicles and properties from the Tate. What's going on here? Hold on. These people haven't been found guilty. For, for all I know, they, like their charges haven't even been unsealed. There's been no evidence presented against them. They haven't had their days in court. What's going on? The government's now seizing their property. They filmed with professional film equipment and lighting the raid of Andrew Tate's house. Since when does that happen? This is an episode of cops. This is a human trafficking charge. So what's going on here? It's extremely curious. Now Tate's being brought to the hospital after he said that people are going to kill. Now, you may hate Andrew Tate. You may love Andrew Tate. I, I, I like wind up directly in the middle. There are reasons that Andrew Tate are so popular, and it's because the left has essentially treated masculinity as a poison. They have tried to destroy masculinity, and Andrew Tate embodies a specific form of masculinity that attracts a lot of young men. Now, Andrew Tate's uh, rationality for how you should use your masculinity – uh, uh, sleeping with a preponderance of women and then spending on the trappings and drippings of materialism, I believe is totally off. You should use your masculinity actually as a strength to start a family and to be a father and to love one woman and to provide for them and to find extreme happiness and joy in life and fulfillment, actually. That's what masculinity is demanding of you. That you continue your bloodline. You are the result of thousands of men deciding to live happy lives and procreate and create your grandparents, grandparents, grandparents. Are you going to be the weakest link, the last chain in that bloodline? No, don't be. And the only way to prevent you from dying alone and living alone and being miserable at the end of your life because, you know, your Bugattis are not going to comfort you when you can no longer see and you have onset glycoma. The only way to actually live a fulfilled life and to honor your ancestors are to is to have a family, to love a woman, to have children. And the joy that those children bring you is actually the root of all life. 
Christ says, bring these little children unto me. Do not harm a hair on their head. If you do, it'll be worse than if they tied a big rock around your neck and chucked you into the ocean. Why? Christ saw the value in children. And I see the value in children every day. I got these little kids at home, baby. And what is it? What is the joy of these children? Well, the earth and the life as it is designed is a millstone that grinds people into nothing. It grinds you down into just nothing. Man, life sucks. Life is hard. It's always been hard. And it'll forever be hard because we live in a sunken place. What children do every single day is they remind you of the joy, the simple joys of life because life hasn't ground them down into powder. And so the having of children, the creation of that cycle brings it brings renewed springs of joy to your life because there's no there's like when your kid is so excited about a simple popsicle, right? Like they're just like so, they're like they're like they're like tears and they're like joy is sparkling over their face because they have a popsicle and they get to sit next to you and they get to talk to you about how much they love pops, popsicles that like it, it centers you. And it lets you know that there's something more more than you in this universe and your specific needs at this, your selfish needs at this moment to sleep with 100 women or to have a brand new car. Ladies and gentlemen, no, I'll, ta I'll, I'll, I'll take my wife every single day of the year. And if I have one regret in my relationship with my wife is that I didn't marry her sooner, actually. That's my one living regret with my wife, actually. And that's where a confident, strong and fulfilled life comes from. And having children is an, is an extension of the love for my wife. And also, more importantly, is the piercing of the veil between the eternal and the heavens. So when you hold your newborn child, this, the roughest men are brought to tears because you realize that life is a miracle and that God has given you that miracle and a miracle has actually touched you in life. You may go through your entire life not thinking that you've ever seen a miracle, and that's fine. Many people don't. Uh, many people don't have the eyes to see it, but have a man hold his newborn son or daughter in the hospital bay. And then that will be the miracle that touches your life. Guaranteed, guaranteed every single person, every time, regardless of who you are or where you come from or when you're living, that is a pure miracle. Sorry to go off on a tangent here, but everyone's talking about Andrew Tate. And so that's my take on it. Okay. Uh, uh, Andrew Tate, what's going on with him? He doesn't deserve any harm. Is the matrix attacking him? We hope that he gets out of this unscathed um, and that he finds Christ, because I actually think that that's that's the emptiness uh, that he needs, that Andrew Tate needs. Uh, I think he needs um, a, a to 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 come to a singularity with his creator, and then he will see uh, actually the destiny that uh, that somebody with his passion and with his platform uh, could really could really, really do some good for the world. But anyway, we hope they entertain is is good and well, and we hope that he's a lot more well than the immigrants that were shoved into essentially prison uh, in El Paso, Texas, to clear the streets and make way for the man who brought them all there, Joe Biden. Joe Biden visited Texas and got a very chilly welcome from the governor, Governor Abbott, a Republican on the tarmac. The city was sanitized, according to reports, uh, as the governor demanded more action to attack illegal immigration. Over the weekend, Joe Biden did a fake visit to the border. He didn't do a visit to the border. People are furious about this. Uh, Abbott, based Governor Abbott, who you may like or dislike, but he met Joe Biden on the tarmac and gave him the business, baby. Listen to this. So listen. But the president who caused the chaos of the border needed to be here. It just so happens he's 
two years and about $20 billion too late. He needs to step up and, and take swift action, uh, including uh, reimbursing the state of Texas for the money that we spent, but providing more resources for the federal government to do its job. Also, this is nothing but for show unless it begins to enforce the immigration laws already that exist in the United States of America that are contained in the letter that are provided to the president today. What did he say to you? What did the president say to you? You said he wanted to work with us on it. So he was pretty cordial. So this is not the most base thing that Abbott did. Governor Greg Abbott blasted Biden's visit on Twitter, saying President Biden's border visit today to a sanitized version of El Paso, referencing that they had essentially cleaned up the city that has been destroyed by illegal immigration. They The before and after photos are wild. I'm not sure if they're in this article, but you can see the tent cities. There they are. Slide that. There you go. The tent city is being sanitized as these criminal migrants come into the city and the police go through and then clear out these places that they have destroyed. Uh, so there are a lot of before and after photos. Look at that. So they're cleaning up the streets for Joe Biden to dotter around and to hey, let's see. Let's see. Let's see another swipe there. OK, yeah. All right there. That's that's great. Look at that. Look at that. All the look essentially like a, a tent city that's being wiped from the streets. So that dear leader can wobble around. Joe Biden wasn't greeted by tent cities, but he was greeted by an angry group of protesters calling for his impeachment. MAGA protesters protested Joe Biden. They held signs saying impeach 46 and Trump 2024. This was Biden's first visit, and he was welcomed like he is always welcomed with a large group of people protesting him. Here's what it looked like. Cordial. The president, as we're told, has not read the letter that the governor handed yet. But there were also protesters in El Paso where we could see some people that were also not thrilled to see President Biden on the ground or they may wanted to be paying more attention to what happens here on a daily basis. The president has also faced a lot of criticism for only coming into El Paso as opposed to some of the uh, other uh, barriers or the other ports uh, that have also seen a large number of migrants trying to cross into the U.S. The big question, of course, John, is going to be what happens after the president's visit here, whether or not we're going to see any meaningful change or conversation happen with Congress. The White House is certainly trying to push the blame on them, saying they need more money to come to address not only border security, but the humanitarian needs. We are seeing a change in U.S. policy when it comes to asylum seekers, the way that they want asylum seekers to try to get access to the United States and how they'll be going about doing that. The big question, of course, will that make a difference this spring as more people try to enter the United States? But for President Biden, this will certainly give him a way to push back against his critics that he had not gone to the border until now. But I would imagine we're going to hear from plenty of Republicans and maybe even some Democrats who say they still want to know what comes next. So what did they do to these migrants? Well, they arrested them, actually. Uh, according to the New York Post, migrants plead with El Paso cops as they're rounded up ahead of Biden visit. OK, so if you want to arrest criminal migrants in America, just have Joe Biden visit the area. OK, where did they send them after the arrest? Well, Ron DeSantis would have sent them to Martha's Vineyard. We'll see. But this is Shocking here. Gripping video captures moment when migrants in El Paso pray in vain as cops round them up outside of a local church shelter ahead of Biden's visit. And what a what a cruel, banal thing to do. So Joe Biden essentially oversees the largest wave upon wave upon wave of criminal migrants crashing into this country, ignores every single second of it, then goes down to a city for like a for like 20 minutes 
to go through a sanitized version of a city. And all the migrants that are currently in that city, because Joe Biden opened the borders to let them come, all those wayward migrants, criminal migrants in that city, all get arrested due to Joe Biden's presence. Watch. So great launching spot for Joe Biden 2024, right? He should have announced right there as the the criminal migrants are being rounded up and like put in prison. The ones that he opened the border for just so that they can be abused by the police as he wobbles through the street, dropping dandruff and bedpans everywhere. Report Joe Biden nearing 2024 campaign announcement after family vacation. Whoa, here we go. We told you this was going to happen. Joe Biden thinks that he can beat Trump. Joe Biden isn't sure if he can beat Ron DeSantis. That's what the reporting says. So they're sort of hedging their bets here and they're going to decide based on how strong they think the Republican field will be or what kind of a bloodbath there's going to be in the Republican primary process. President Joe Biden is reportedly getting close to announcing his intentions to run for re-election following a family vacation and months of speculation. Multiple sources have told The Hill that the president is getting details and ready to make another White House bid in 2024 a reality. He'll be making his intentions known in the public in the coming weeks, which would likely be around the State of the Union. Another source close to the 2020 campaign told the publication that he would be making a more formal announcement in April. The team has reportedly been working on an extensive overhaul of his digital presence. Oh, that's what you need. That's what you, that's what you need. More digital presence for the guy who's already the oldest degenerate American president in American history, a man who doesn't speak English, a man who regularly has dementia moments on camera, who has to be accompanied by a visiting angel everywhere that he goes with his life alert dangling around his neck and his my pillow uh, waiting uh, to cushion him as he sits in his wheelchair. Joe Biden would be the oldest president, of course, ever uh, reelected into office. Joe Biden would be the oldest president ever serving. He'd be 86 at the end of this term. Of course, there should be a rule. There should be a law against this. You shouldn't be allowed to run. We have laws about how young you can be when you run for office. Why not laws about how old you can be? That would be a really nice little step towards term limits, right? Like maybe at 75, you're just not allowed to run for federal office anymore because you can't drive a car. Maybe that like maybe that should be the rule, right? If you're not safe on the road, you shouldn't be allowed to drive our country if you can't drive a vehicle. Would you trust Joe Biden driving a vehicle? No, 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 no. But the Hill is saying Last month, a group of Biden advisors met with key allies and constituency groups to talk about the president's agenda. One uh, the attendees told NBC News that had the feel of a strategy session ahead of a campaign launch. So it sounds like this is happening. This is happening. But the tides are turning culturally against Joe Biden, against this administration, against the woke. There is the most conservative Congress ever elected. It sounds like the factions of the Republican Party are coalescing here and there are massive moral victories happening. We always like to end the show on a positive note. Here's a great story. Ex-Virginia Tech soccer player benched for not kneeling for BLM gets a $100,000 settlement. Boom shakalaka. This from Breitbart News, former Virginia Tech soccer player team member who let who alleged that her coach benched her because she would not bow down and take a knee in support of Black Lives Matter terrorist organization, has won a $100,000 settlement. Her name is Kirsten Henning, and she agreed to take the settlement, the settlement to bow out of her lawsuit against the school and her coach, Charles Chugger Adair. The thing, the only thing that Charles is chugging is sludge-like propaganda from the NPC media. She sued on First Amendment grounds. Former student's attorney, Cameron Norris, noted that the settlement does not include any admission of wrongdoing. Well, that's a shame. But uh, the U.S. district judge who's overseeing the case 
said it was okay for her to sue the school, allowed the lawsuit to go forward. Henning claimed that she was targeted for harassment because she would not take a knee to honor Black Lives Matter during the national anthem. Ha! Guys, we're going to look back on this in 10 years, God willing, and we're going to say this was such a destructive time period in American history. Thank God we sobered up. Wokeism is brokeism. Wokeism, of course, rots and eats at the very core in the center of our societies because wokeism is designed by communists. The Wokeism is designed being woke. The idea of being woke is just, it's just repackaged Marxism. It's designed to destroy this country. And it's been uh, on the path of doing this for a very, very long time. There are many, many uh, fields of thought and many academics who have been essentially laying out the playbook for this moment in America for a very, very long time. And they are now seeing the fruits of their theory come to light. And we, the American people, must reject them. And we'll reject them by doing one thing. Fighting. That's what we do on this program. Fighting. What do we fight for? God, family, country. That's what this show is all about. God, family, country. And so we're going to go on offense on this show, and we love the fight. We love the brawl. Took my family to the zoo this weekend, and I met a couple of people that follow along on social media, subscribe on YouTube and Rumble, and so thank you. Uh, And they were like, I don't really want DeSantis and Trump to fight. I don't like what's happening inside the House of Representatives. Stop it. You're getting your news from the wrong people. Get your news from this show. Subscribe to this show. Click like on this show. Ring the bell on this show. Subscribe to our podcast because you're going to get the true dish. I know politics. I'm from the belly of the beast. It's not where I was raised or anything, but I have lived 15 years in Washington, D.C., doing every job imaginable in communications and news procurement. And I've seen how uh, the, the alligator operates. And so we know that the fight is good. They don't want the fight. They want coronations. They want divine right to rule. And it's good to gut check these people. The bloodletting and the brawling, it's good. It's positive. Jungle warfare. Rules of the jungle. The big lion who's in charge of the herd got to be challenged. The lions fight, and then you wind up with the strongest leader. It's a good thing. And we're, so we're going to go on offense on the show. We're going to give you the information. We're going to give you the data. We're going to give you the tools that you need into the battles ahead. 2023 is going to be a brawl. 2024 is going to be an absolute knockdown drag out. Ladies and gentlemen, we are entering the octagon. You got to be ready. Your boy Benny will be here for you on The Betty Show. We go, go, go. Offense all the time. God bless all of you. Have a great Monday. See ya.